1: From the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York, I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. show, she sells, she sells, but it's time for the Billy C. Show. show, show, uh, oh, don't tell me it's going to be one of those days. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian. Re- That's because Sal's already got me all riled up. I'm ready to have a Fred Sanford heart attack here, but uh, today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria an Italian restaurant located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salisneighborhoodpizzeria.com. I'll give my man a call, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons to get an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Turning Stone Resort and Casino and their next boxing event, which will be an HBO broadcast event October 21st. Uh, get yourself some tickets. Tell them Billy C. sent you. And by the way, I'm going to be ringside. So uh, make sure you uh, drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing, uh, dot gcom And let me know where you're sitting. I'll come over and uh, we'll chat some boxing. And uh, also, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage, The Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy right now while you're watching or listening to this show uh, by uh, going to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you're looking to get a signed copy, uh, just visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it. Or come on up to me at The Turning Stone on October 21st. I'll have some copies with me. And uh, as I told you guys yesterday, uh, a uh, brain lapse on my part uh, ended up with uh, a, an extra box of books. Uh, I ordered uh, twice, but uh, that's going to help you out because when I was told today, yesterday, after the show, um, if you email me directly, okay, not through the website, not through uh, Barnes and Noble, whatever. If you email me directly, Billy at Talking Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. Uh, and you want a signed book? As long as you're in the United States, I'll ship you one for twenty bucks. That's cheaper than you can get it anywhere else. So uh, uh, do that if you're interested in a book. All right. Um, boy am I, boy am I pissed off today, I tell you. Uh, and and uh, I, you know, it's, I, I hate to say, it. you know, I for, first of all, I, you know, yesterday's show, uh, I was talking about Deontay Wilder and. Uh, I got all jacked up because Deontay Wilder pounds his chest. I'm the best. Everybody's scared. They gotta cheat. They're all sc- they're a scared. They're a scared to fight me, you know. And, I, and I'm saying to myself, "Come on, man. Come on." You know who's he beat? And I and I had it r- right out, black and white. You know that he hasn't fought anybody of note, and he still pounds his chest, telling everybody in a heavyweight division is scared to fight old Deontay Wilder. The, the, the bronze bomber, who's more like a, a firecracker, let alone a bomb. But, uh, but yesterday it was made official. The WBC, all right? The WBC and uh, Mauricio Suleiman decided, well, let, let me read you their official uh, statement from the El Presidente himself, Mauricio Suleiman, uh, who's in Baku right now. Uh, for their uh, um, thing that they do. You know, their, uh, uh, I'm lost for words, uh, you know, like a convention. Yeah, yeah, the convention. The WBC has concluded the process according to its clean boxing program protocol in the adverse finding of a Luis Ortiz. An official ruling has been sent to the corresponding parties. The WBC has withdrawn its sanction of Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz and Wilder will now fight his next mandatory fight, which is against Bermaine Stavern. Specific details will be released at a later date. Joining me right now from St. Simons Island in Georgia is my man, Sal rocky Cola. I'm sick, Sal. I'm sick. Bermaine Stavern, Deontay Wilder, are you kidding me? What's your thoughts?
2: Hey, well, he did it once. He's gonna do it again. What do you, you know, this is this is boxing today. This is what happens. You know, uh, you got fighters being called out on PEDs. You got it. It, it was never like this 20, 30 years ago. And uh, it's it's the tiptoe around the tulips, the tulips on a man's head, not the tulips in the ground. Uh, and I think Deontay Wilder. Two lips like to tout and like to say what he's gonna do and how he's gonna do it. But the bottom line is uh, you know, I think that uh, this whole thing and Burman's deverne, hey, you know, let's let's uh we gotta get past it, Bill. We're gonna get past it. <laughs> well, hey, get hey, past hey, it. but here's my
1: my my hang up with Deontay has nothing yeah. to do with Deontay Wilder, the person. It has no. to do with the fact that he pounds his chest and says he's the best. Now, yesterday when I when I broke down his record, there's no one on that record. I mean, Chris Areola was a, a, a contender, uh, did fight for the vacant title against the aforementioned Steverne, Um but we all knew that he was there for a payday, uh, basically quit uh, in the ring. Gerald Washington was a former football player. I give him credit for Spitzka. Uh, that win, that's one. Johan Duopaz, Eric Molina, uh, both... Uh, 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 just uh, guys that he should have dispatched a lot quicker than he did. Jason Gavern is 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 a a, a farce and and uh, you know the worst thing for the sport of boxing. Malik Scott was a fixed fight. Uh, Sergey uh was a guy that uh, was there for the payday. As was Audley Harrison. I mean, this guy has gotten no wins uh, on his resume that he should be pounding his chest for. And Berman Stavern. Th- th- let me let me explain some interesting facts about Berman Stiverne. Um right now. Uh, first of all, he's 39 years old right now. Uh, eight years older than uh, uh, Deontay Wilder. Um, he's six foot two, which is five inches shorter than Deontay Wilder. His reach is 77 inches, which is six inches shorter than Wilder. All right. Um, when he steps in the ring with Deontay Wilder in November, it'll be almost to the day two years since his last fight. Two years since his last fight. 39-year-old. Remember, his last fight was Derek Rossi in uh, November of 2015, and the fight before that was when he lost to Deontay Wilder. Now, when you look at Bermaine Stiverne's record, he's got two wins against Chris Ariola. That's it. That's it. That's all he's got on his resume. I mean, Berman Staverne is is a fraud in himself. And here's the worst part. The worst part is he's ranked number one by the WBC. Number one. I, I mean, how do you rank a guy number one when he hasn't fought in two freaking years? I mean, listen, I, you know, I could see them saying, okay, Ortiz, you know, you, you, you failed the test. Fine, but give him a real fighter. Give him Dillian White or even Dominic Brazil, who who, who uh, lost a, a, a fight recently. You know, I mean, I would take either one of those guys. But Berman Stavern, thirty nine years old, hasn't fought in two years.
2: Come on, Sal. I guess we'll call him the opponent. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a swan song. It's gonna be a showcase for Deontay Wilder to. Do whatever he wants to do, how he wants to do it, and he's going to look great doing it. And he'll he'll stop this guy, and hey, he'll go on to the next. I know, Bill. It doesn't make sense. I it it is what it is. Oh, but it, he is fighting and defending his title against the number one ranked contender. Don't forget that. You know, that's you know, it, it's funny <laughs> to say that because I,
1: that sure, is what they get joke. to say. They get to say that. Well, you know, it's just mandatory. I mean, um, we it's don't mandatory. Pick, we hey, don't pick do who we he fight. He's obligated. Yeah, we don't pick who we fights. I just fight the guys they put in front of me. Well, they're putting bums in front of you, Deontay, and they're making you look bad. Because if you're as half as good as you think you are, you should be fighting a real opponent. Let me t- let me tell you another thing. Inside information about Bermaine Stiverne that yeah. I know personally. He doesn't even train. He doesn't even train. This is a guy going for a payday. This is a farce. This just solidifies my opinion that Deontay Wilder, from a boxing standpoint, not as a human being, is a fraud. Is a fraud. And yesterday, I got criticized on, uh, uh, on some of our uh, uh, comments pages, uh, wherever the hell they are, maybe uh, YouTube or whatever, that uh, he was not uh, the worst uh, you know, people uh, are trying to even throw the race card at me saying that, uh, you know, I'm just prejudiced because, you know, he's a black guy, you know? Give me a break, you know? I was defending Mike Tyson, who I love, in case you haven't noticed, he's black too, you know? So, I, I mean, come on. Um, you know, they're saying, oh, Deontay Wilder uh, wasn't the worst heavyweight in history. As a matter of fact, several people stated uh, on the uh, message boards that uh, John Ruiz was the, was one of the worst, or Olog. Moskayev was one of the worst. But let me, let me just say one thing about John Ruiz real quick, all right? John Ruiz, boring fighter? Yes, yes. Even more boring than Floyd Mayweather. I mean, this guy was boring to watch, all right? But here's an interesting stat about John Ruiz. It was something like maybe 13 of his last 16 fights were against... Either world champions, former world champions, or top three contender in the top three—not top five, not top ten—top three. You know they they magically bring these opponents for Deontay Wilder, and they all of a sudden they appear in the top fifteen, so that they're they're okay. Uh, John Ruiz was not a terrible champion. He fought former world champions in David Hay, Nikolai Valuev. Um, he, Ruslan Shigaev, James Tony, um, Freza Quendo was a top, uh, three contender, so was Galata that he fought, uh, so was, uh, Jamal McCline, he fought Evander Holyfield, not once, not twice, but three times, he fought Kirk Johnson, who was a number one contender, 32-0 and when he fought him, Roy Jones Jr. he fought, Haseem Rahman, uh, and he also fought my heavyweight, Ferrelli Felice, which was a, a guy that I had. But anyway, I just figured I'd throw that in. the The bottom line is this, Sal: the, John Ruiz fought some good opponents. You can't compare his resume to uh, uh, to Wilder's. Wilder didn't fight anybody of that caliber.
2: Well, you know, he's got the O, and it uh, is is his calling card right now, and that's what he's using. And uh, you know how he got there is easily spelled out just by what you just mentioned. He hasn't really fought too many top contenders that uh, that would have given him much of an opposition. So here we are. Uh, he's going to walk through Stavern, and uh, we'll have rumors and ruttles and ripples of uh, him fighting Anthony Joshua. Next, we'll have ripples and rumbles of him fighting a real contender, but that won't happen either because, uh, you know, it's going to eventually... The, uh, the rubber is going to have to meet the road, and he's going to have to. Uh, his fans will demand it, and, uh, you know, right now they're still riding the coattails, riding the, uh, the career and his glory, but, uh, you know, he, he's going to have to, you know, he can't keep fighting the bum in a month. Hey,
1: listen, hold that thought. Let's take a short break. When we come back, um, we will uh, continue. Uh, this, this I, I say this discussion, so uh,
0: don't go anyways. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why you doing that? That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com.
1: And we're back. You're listening and watching The Billy C. Show. Glad you could be here with us. And uh, don't forget to be there with me. Be beware. Be there. Be there at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino on October 21st. Check it out. Get yourself some tickets, and uh, I'll be there ringside. I- I'll be thirsty, so you can buy me a scotch or two. But uh, anyway, I'm here with my man, uh, scout, Sal, uh, scout. Scout? I'm scout. I'm here with Scotty, scout, man. Scout. I'm here with Scotty Senecola Scotty <laughs> uh, from uh, St. Simons. But uh, anyway, I- I'm just really disappointed uh, because I-, I was looking forward to Deontay Wilder fighting Luis Ortiz Sal, and the reason is because I want him to— to beat a real fighter. I, I really do, you know, because then it adds more fire and interest in the potential matchup between uh, Deontay Wilder and, and Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua is the best heavyweight in the world. Deontay Wilder can't even come close to trying to justify his record versus Anthony Joshua's. Anthony Joshua has progressively increased his level of opposition, and he dethroned the guy who many thought was uh, the controller of the heavyweight division despite uh, Klitschko losing to Tyson Fury.
2: True. The facts are the facts. And, you know, and I, I don't know when I should say this because I know it's just going to get you all riled up again. But I think Deontay Wilder is a better fighter than what his opposition has yielded. Wait wait a minute,
1: wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How can you, when you say that, how do you base that? On on what? I mean, you can't look at someone who has fought uh, less, I'll just be kind and say less than stellar opposition in despite looking good again, I mean, everybody looks good hitting a heavy bag, Sal. So how, hey, you do, know you, who how do you how do you say know, that?
2: Alvarez looked great against uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., but that was a human puncher bag.
1: And and and, and what's different with Deontay Wilder fighting Johan Dua and Eric Molina and, and guys that lay down for him like Malik Scott? I mean, I mean, how how can you say that he's better than than we think? I mean, I, I don't get it. I, you, don't you need to perform
2: at some point to? To get those accolades? Yes, you do. You do. What I'm saying is he's been a carefully wrapped up package. And I think once he has the opportunity to fight an upper level intense fighter, I think he's going to rise to the occasion. And I think he's going to challenge himself. And you will see a very good Deontay Wilder do his better job and uh, rise to the occasion and and show us what he's got. I, that's what I believe. I believe that. I but, believe that. But, but
1: here's the thing. And you, you know, you used to agree with me on this. A fighter, it's like a, it's like any, it's like a sports team. If you fight terrible opposition, then all of a sudden you face a good opponent. You never had a chance to get better by increasing your level of opposition. And like a team, if they played the worst team in, if an NFL team played the worst team in football week after week after week, the same terrible team. And they finish the season undefeated. Are they really the best team? You know, and, and the same can be said for individual sport like boxing. You know, when you look at a guy like Deontay Wilder, you could say all you want. Oh, he's got the tools. He's got the power. He's got this. He's got that. But when he hasn't displayed it against a real opponent, how do you know he still has the tools? And then, and then the worst part is if he loses to a guy, a, a substantial opponent. Everybody's going to say, oh, well, he was exposed. When in a sense, it's not even Deontay Wilder's fault that he's been coddled. I truly believe, as much as people may not believe me, but I truly believe that Deontay Wilder, it's not his fault. It's that somebody else in his camp sees that he's a fraud and is trying to protect their golden goose egg. Because the truth of the matter is... Is if he was in, if his level of opposition was increased, I I think the real Deontay Wilder would have been, would have come out. I, I just I find it hard to accept that you think that oh he's going to show you that he's better uh, when he fights a good opponent. I, I don't know I don't know. He tries very hard to knock out these subpar opposition that they
2: give him, and he struggles. Well, I'll just tell you nothing, Bill. Sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes a fighter. Fights the kind of opposition he's in with. Sometimes he doesn't look good against a lesser opponent because uh, he he doesn't rise to that occasion. He's not challenged himself, whether it's psychological or what. But there's many times where you know a fighter can fight a lesser than stellar opponent, and he will not look stellar in his defeating this opponent. Uh, uh, it's 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 one of those things. You know that's what I'm saying. Styles makes make the fight and uh, I think Deontay Wilder does have the tools does have the capabilities and does have the 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 insight and the the knowledge and the strength to stretch his his talents uh when he's going to need to and he will need to we will see him fight a top opposition and that's what I'm saying when he does do that I think he will be pleasantly surprising to a lot of his fans. Uh, I think you'll see it better. Unlike Floyd Mayweather, I think you'll have an opportunity to see um, Deontay Wilder challenge himself. And I think we'll see a, a, true, uh, a true display of what his talents can do. Okay. I, I believe that. Okay. I believe that.
1: Okay. How,
2: Sal? When he steps up and yeah. fights a real when, fighter, when he steps up and fights a real when he fighter, steps uh, up. Uh, hey, I, mean, I want to uh, fight a real fighter. Yeah, yeah, today, when he know. fights a real fighter, uh, you know, so all of a sudden he's magically gonna look great. And I, you know, I, and, and, what, and wait a minute, I think I think he will look good. I'm not saying he'll win, but I think he'll look pretty good with Anthony Joshua. Well, wait a minute. Oh, he looks okay. Oh, now, just stop oh, it right hey, there. What the, Have you right been there. smoking? Anything? What, 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 what What have you been drinking? Have you been? <laughs> what's in
1: that coffee? Did you throw some anesthetic in there? Come on. Is there sambuca in that coffee? Let me see. Nah, Is that real coffee? That Is it coffee? Because you're obviously <laughs> on something, pal. You know, I, he's not going to beat Anthony Joshua, but but listen, I I just want to say he does look good fighting the bums that he fights. He he does and. The other thing I like about Deontay is he's exciting. He tries to make the fights exciting. He does. does he and does. I give him credit for that. He goes for the knockout. And I enjoy. I actually enjoy watching him fight. My hang-up with Deontay Wilder has always been the same. He pounds his chest, jumps up on the ring, screams at the audience, you know, bomb squad! You know, whatever the hell he's screaming. And and he says he's the best. I'm the best in the heavyweight. Uh, Mike Tyson was garbage. I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the best. And, yeah, like you know, that. he hasn't fought anybody. You know, if, if he knocks out uh, a, a, a formidable foe, uh, you give him credit. But he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't knocked. I, listen, I've gone through his record a hundred times. I've said it on this show. You know, show me an opponent that he's beaten that we got to give him credit for. And if you tell me Stiverne, we I just showed you that Stiverne never fought. The best win on Stiverne's record is Chris Ariola. And Chris Ariola is basically a punching bag and was a punching bag when he fought Stiverne too. You know, And Stiverne doesn't even train. Stavern is here for the payday. Stiverne has made more oh, money <laughs> not fighting Deontay Wilder or fighting Deontay Wilder than he's made in his whole career. This is a guy that has no business... Being in a world title fight, Stavern, I'm talking about, has no business. And then when Deontay Wilder fights him and knocks him out again, I mean, what's that going to prove? That, that he beat up a 39-year-old guy who hasn't fought in, in two years? A guy that's five inches shorter and a half a foot arm length shorter?
2: Come on.
1: Come on,
2: yeah, this, yeah, uh, Hey, I'll give you credit. That doesn't look good. Oh no, fuck <laughs> just, yeah. It doesn't part. even
1: look a little good. Sal, Sal, <laughs> Maybe he could it in there
2: and do a double header. Maybe he could have another opponent lined up. What was that? Was that George Foreman that did it once? Did he? Did he display he had five opponents lined up and he beat them all that night? Sal, it doesn't even look a little good for
1: Deontay Wilder to beat up Stavern. It just doesn't. You know, I, I would be more impressed. I know. Dilly Dillian White is a name that's always thrown around, and Dillian yeah. White—you could be critical of him, uh, not really, uh, you know, fighting top top guys either. But he—he's avoided because he's a young fighter who's who's a dangerous fighter. You know, why not fight him? They already paid Stavern step aside money. You know, I, I would to tell you the truth, I'd even rather see Deontay Wilder fight Dominic Brazil uh, than I would uh, Bermain Stavern. Stavern is there for a payday. He's got management issues. He's Don King's his promoter. All he wants to do is, is collect some more money. I mean, this is going to be a farce of a fight. Um, you know, remember Stavern made all kinds of excuses after the first Deontay Wilder fight, you know, when he, when he basically went through the motions, right? He, you know, like, uh, we were saying yesterday, with Alex, like uh, Bonecrusher Smith said, with Tyson, did you ever want to just survive? Did you ever? Well, that's what Bermaine Stavern was going to do. So, what, 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 credit do we give Deontay Wilder for knocking the shit out of Bermaine Stavern again? I mean, what, what credit do you give him?
2: Well, we'll see. Maybe, maybe Stavern's going to rise to the occasion as well and come in and ready to fight. And uh, we'll see. Be a different Stavern, but he's had a two-year rest period. That's more than eighteen months than uh, we've heard other people like wait.
1: Hey, listen. Two year rest period. I'm sure he was resting, you know, on his ass, eating what he wants to eat, you know, not to not train. It's not like he's been training hard for two years. You know, this is a guy that's been loving life. You know, uh, collecting paydays for not fighting people. You know, well, I, I, let me tell that's you, true. this this sti- <laughs> that's this true. stinks. Yeah. Th- this this stinks of 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 a conspiracy with the WBC and uh, Al Heyman, who's, uh, uh, who's the uh, advisor of, of, of Deontay Wilder. This stinks of an under-the-table payoff uh, to the WBC. It stinks of that. You can't tell me even though Stiverne has been, you know, uh, avoided, so to speak, or or uh, first of all, he shouldn't have even been the number one ranked contender for the WB. How do you become a number one ranked contender without fighting? I just don't understand it. The Derek Rossi fight was almost two years ago. That was his last fight after he fought Derek Rossi, after he fought uh, um, Deontay Wilder. And the Derek Rossi fight, a lot of people thought Derek Rossi won that fight. So I mean, here's a guy who hasn't fought in two years, basically got a gift decision against a journeyman fighter in Derek Rossi, and he's the WBC number one for for the for the sanctioning body that claims their boxing and that most fighters want their belt that to put make this a mandatory. Listen, it stinks of a payoff. I'm sorry. It does.
2: It, it, it does. I, you know, Bill, and I will agree with you. It does. It does not look pretty. It does not look, you know, Hey, we do the old duck analogy slip. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it walks, quacks and acts, it is a duck and look at out uh, that's all this is. And this is, this is, this is a makeup and IOU collection. That's all it is. And that's, that's unfortunate, but that's what the fans are going to be looking at and receiving. This is the, the Stavern iou title fight. That's what it is. Well,
1: the, the the issue, the big issue here is, you know, assuming Deontay Wilder knocks out Stavern again, and God forbid he doesn't. You know, you talk about risk versus reward. God forbid, and this is the thing about the heavyweight division, and we talk about this all the time, at any given night, or I should say, on any given night, any heavyweight, whether they never won a fight or whether they're undefeated, could knock out his opponent. And you know, should Stavern knock out Deontay Wilder? Oh my God, would that be? I, I mean, Deontay Wilder, you put him on suicide watch because uh, uh, that would be a joke. But but assuming Deontay We'd have Wilder one hell
2: of a post-fight show. What are we?
1: <laughs> just assuming Deontay Wilder beats Stavern again which I can't see him not doing. How does this fight help him? And hold this thought because I'm going to take a break. How does this fight help him with a potential matchup with Anthony Joshua? I mean, I, I mean, how does it help him? It doesn't help him in the bargaining room, you know, at the negotiation table, and it certainly doesn't help him uh, in preparation for, for a real fighter like Anthony Joshua. This fight actually is hurting Deontay Wilder. I feel sorry that Deontay Wilder has to fight this fight.
0: Hold that thought. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. (laughs) That's BillyCBoxing.com Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com.
1: And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Uh, Don't forget, come join me and all the rest of the fight fans for the next uh, HBO event up at Turning Stone. Uh, October twenty first. Get your tickets today. Demand the Billy C discount. You know, Sal, I'm I'm sitting here watching you you're eating, drinking, using the bathroom whenever you want. I mean, you got it made over there. I got I gotta sit here, and whether I have to go to the bathroom or not, whether I'm dying of thirst, whether I'm starving, ready to pass out from uh, sugar problems or whatever, I can't move. You, you're up and down. You're visiting people at the door, calling other people on the phone. I mean. It's great hey, to be you, so, huh? I'm,
2: I'm multitasking, man. i can tell you that thing. You should get your dog who's still sleeping by your leg and put one of those St. Bernard little baskets around his neck and let him go do your errands for you. Well, he
1: t- he takes care of himself. <laughs> He's selfish, selfish guy. So, you know, but... Hey, you
2: know, I got something to say, Bill. If I could say Jeez, it. That's
1: rare. Go ahead. <laughs> say something.
2: Let's look at it like this. All right. So Deontay Wilder is going to fight Bermas Verm. And he is going to probably do what we all anticipate his outcome and what he's going to do. He's going to do what he can do to showcase and, and look good. And guess what? This is going to be his tune-up fight for Anthony Joshua. That's all this could be. He's going to then look for Anthony Joshua. This is his tune-up fight. This is his last Real good tune-up fight, and then he's going to go to Anthony Joshua. That's what I see. Sal. Comment? Sal, yeah, I got a comment. Deontay Wilder, had, I mean, you could the make an argument. Yeah, yeah, I don't could, think he's he, looking.
1: You could make the argument that Deontay Wilder has had 38 tune-up fights so far. I mean, how many more friggin' tune-up fights does he have to have? I, and, and And let me ask you this. Is. You you step in the ring with a guy like Anthony Joshua, who, in my opinion, I mean, I've said it a million times. I think he's the best heavyweight on the planet right now, but not just because, I, you know, I think so. Look at look at look at him. I mean, the guy, he displays a great jab. He's already showed that he's got heart. He's gotten up off the canvas when we thought that he was never going to get up. He he came back from being so exhausted that a, a mosquito land on him would've have, would have dropped him that night against Klitschko. You know, he 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 leaves, he takes a a potential robbery scorecards adding a mix by knocking out a guy like Klitschko. And he seemingly gets better and better and better. This is a guy that has increased his level of opposition, and has come up and stepped up to the plate and and succeeded at the task. He's been challenged, and he's passed. He's learned things along the way in the ring while he's fighting. Deontay Wilder has never had that opportunity, and I say opportunity because it's not Deontay Wilder's fault. It's whoever's making the fights for Deontay Wilder, whoever's making these deals behind closed doors, and they say to Deontay, you think, let me tell you something. I would be shocked if Deontay Wilder isn't as pissed off about fighting Bermain Stavern as I am of, of him fighting him. Deontay Wilder wants to shut guys like me up. He wants to win a real fight. It's the powers that be aren't letting him do it. And the reason is they know that he's got some weak uh, chinks in his armor. You know, nobody's worked that body. If I'm Stavern. And now that I know I'm in this fight, and I start training because I know that this guy is not uh, too in. big in training, <laughs> right? You know, you better put down the cheeseburgers and and start training. You know, I, I work on a, a game plan that's gonna really work the body of Deontay Wilder. He, he's done, you know, for a big six foot seven guy. He doesn't weigh that much. I mean, he's a 220 pounder at best. Uh, he, his physique is more uh, like a basketball player. He's got that uh, athletic, tall, slender, athletic build. You know, I, somebody's got to work the body, get in inside. You know, and uh, and, and and try to try to break him down. That's the De- uh, Bermain Stavern's only chance. But Deontay Wilder is not uh, uh, gaining anything in a fight against Bermaine Stavern, that's going to help him against Anthony First of all, first of all, giving up, uh, you know, getting a five-inch height advantage and a six-inch reach advantage is not going to help him when he steps in a ring with a guy the same size who's bigger, not height-wise, but a bigger girth and and stronger and a better jab. I mean... (sighs) I feel sorry yeah. for Deontay Wilder when he fights AJ. I really do. I, I can't believe that you're actually with a straight face trying to say that he's going to give Deont- that, uh, Deontay Wilder is going to give AJ a, a, a tough fight. I mean, with the with the exception of his knockout power, which you can't deny, Deontay Wilder's got knockout power. That's the only. And and wait a minute, you're going to tell me are going It's freakish, power. but you're going to tell me he's got a, a a more powerful punch than Vladimir Klitschko
2: no I'm not saying that but I'll tell you this I think I think Deontay Wilder has a a a decent jab I think he's got uh uh some of the fundamentals down I think he can hold his own with Anthony Joshua for a few rounds and I think in that period of time hey we've seen Anthony Joshua get hit and I think that uh He's going to have an opportunity to change, to to exchange some punches.
1: Let, let me ask and, you this. Uh, let me uh, ask
2: you this. You say he's got a great jab.
1: Deontay. And I said a, he's got a good jab. A a, okay, good jab. Good jab. Whatever. Uh, aside from Ali his, had a great jab.
2: Larry Holmes had a great jab. Uh,
1: uh, all right, whatever. He, he's got a, a marginal jab. All right. He's, he, he knows how to throw a jab. We'll give him that. Effectively. Right? Effectively. Now, the only fight that I saw him throw a jab in was against Berman Stavern. Oh, you know, over almost three years ago, you know, so how is that fight and keeping in mind, he's got a six inch reach advantage and a five inch height, height advantage to, to, you know, uh, you know, demonstrate a jab. How is that going to help him when he's in there with a six foot seven guy with a jab and punching power and a defense that is 10 times better than anything uh, that Deontay Wilder has fa- how's how's his how's he going to employ a jab against a guy who who handled Klitschko's jab, who arguably had one of the best heavyweight yes. jabs in the yes, business aside from Larry Holmes? How yes. how, how how's he going to do? How's his jab going to look against AJ? Come on, Sal. I mean, <laughs> you you're saying that he's that he that he's going to give AJ a tough fight. I, I just want to know how you said by jab. Okay. You know, we, you saw him throw his jab effectively in one fight. So, so now what? Is he just going to go headhunt Anthony Joshua? You don't think he's going to get nailed on the way in? I, listen, you're, you're looking at two drastically different talent levels of True. these guys. Two dras- It's drastic. Radically. It's, I not, know. it's not even subtle. It's not no, even subtle. It's, it's drastic. It's, extreme. it's, it's drastic. Definitely. You know, and, and, and the poor guy, and I say poor guy in Wilder, is not even getting a chance to get better. He's not having the chance to get better by fighting Bermain Stevern. He's not. He's not, Sal. He would have had a chance to see a decent fighter, even though he was older, uh, with a good jab and some pump, punching power and some movement in Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz was the best fight for Deontay to improve. It really was, Sal.
2: Hey, I, I agree with you, and we were all looking forward to that fight, and we would definitely have seen a... a... Deontay Wilder having that opportunity to rise to the occasion and show us what he has, uh, maybe go deep into the fight. But uh, it didn't happen. And so, listen, if everything we know about boxing is true and Deontay Wilder, he pounds his chest, he feels he's the best. And you know what? No fault of his own. He's where he is because he's been guided, he's been managed, he's been able to position himself or his uh, his camp and his team has been able to position him in, a, in in where he is today. And I feel, you know, the, the 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 showcase is going to be over with this last fight. I feel that, you know, all said and done, his next opponent will be Anthony Joshua. And they'll have a rematch clause. And they'll say, hey, this is it. The guy's either going to rise to the occasion and be who we hope he is and, and, and let Deontay Wilder be who he thinks he is. And the worst case scenario is he loses but he has a rematch clause. So, remember, a fighter is a commodity. You ride the horse that's winning for as long as you can, and you make it happen. That's what they're looking at with Deontay Wilder.
1: Well, you know, he's supposedly with a great uh, advisor in Al Heyman. This fight against the Verne, even assuming he wins, assuming he wins quickly, knocks out Stavern. Steven's there for a payday. He's probably making plans for after the fight already. i I'm, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, you know, he he knocks him out, and and now everybody's going to be screaming for AJ. Deontay Wilder is going to have no negotiation power against AJ. AJ is going to be like, listen, you're going to come to England, and and is it, you is know, you know, you know what the funny thing is. The funny thing is, is Anthony Joshua wants to come fight in the U.S. And, and if I'm Anthony Joshua, I stay to hell in England because they could sell out 100,000 seats, 90,000 seats, whatever, especially for, for a Deontay Wilder fight. You know, so so Deontay Wilder, by fighting Berman Stavern is hurting himself long term. He's hurting himself in the bargaining room. He's hurting himself on, on his resume. He's hurting himself uh, on the way people look at him. I, I mean, this is a lose-lose situation for Wilder. And, oh, by the way, like we say all the time, any heavyweight can knock out another heavyweight on any given night. So we Wilder, say that. Wilder loses this fight. Some freak punch lands. It <laughs> knocks Wilder out. That's the end of Wilder. We're, we'll never—I tell you right now—we'll never see him again. You know, i, I mean, you know, it's—it's it's a freak thing. Listen, very bad management decisions here for Deontay Wilder. Um, I would have, uh, you know, if anything, you know, maybe, maybe what they're going to try to do if they beat Stavern is—is is go after Joseph Parker. Uh, that's the only way that that would increase the bargaining chip for uh, for Deontay against AJ. Um, you know, to pick up that other belt. Uh, I, I don't see anything else. And and oh by the way, you know uh, Joseph Parker, he's the odd man out. Joseph Parker's the guy that you know. Who's gonna fight him next? You know Anthony Joshua is better off fighting him in the UK and collect all the belts and tell Deontay Wilder to go take a friggin' hike. Who the hell needs Deontay Wilder? And then Deontay Wilder will pound his chest and go. He's he's scared of me. He's scared. Me. Nobody's
2: scared of Deontay <laughs> Wilder, Sal. It's a scenario almost like that mirror, mirrors the 160-pounders, uh, 160 pound, 160 the uh, middleweights, with uh, Triple G going against Billy Joe Saunders to collect that last belt. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think, like I said, Bill, I, I think Deontay Wilder, I'll just put it this way, is a better fighter than what we give him credit for. I'm not saying he's a world beater that's going to give Joshua uh, have him looking up at the lights, but uh, I, I do think that he will rise the occasion on the level of opposition that he's going to have to face. The and, only, uh, that's the, the, only, the kind of fighter I think he is. The only rise that he's going to do is the eventual <laughs>
1: rise up off the canvas, because I I, I'm, I have K I have faith that he'll eventually stand again. But uh, he will be uh, uh, laying on that canvas, most likely, uh, you know, looking up at those lights, as you suggest, when and if. He ever steps in the ring with Anthony Joshua. But uh, um, I, I, this this is terrible for the sport, terrible for the heavyweight division, and quite honestly terrible for uh, Deontay Wilder uh, to uh, not be able to fight Luis Ortiz. Uh, WBC ordering uh, Stiverne next. Hasn't fought in two years. Complete joke. And uh, I, I honestly question uh, whether uh, some powers that be at the WBC has received... A little envelope uh, with either uh, some uh, cash stuffed in there or some voucher to go get the cash to stuff in there. I'm sorry. And speaking Does that happen? Yes, it does. Yes, it does, my man. Um, uh, Speaking of the WBC, um, a guy who I don't think deserved any other chances uh, with his career being Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I mean, this guy's... No, you know, definitely not. No,
2: he, no, no. He's staying on the Julier.
1: He's got more <laughs> lives in boxing than Freddy Krueger has on Horror Flicks. The guy doesn't I mean, want to fight. Yeah. Get him out. Well, well he, he, he had said that he was going to be fighting former uh, WBC uh, Super Midway Champion Anthony Durrell, but it was announced uh, yesterday that uh, Anthony Durrell is not fighting Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Instead, Anthony Durrell... Uh, is taking on uh, Dennis Dugan, uh, who's uh, 20 wins and five losses. Uh, you know, I the Durrell brothers are bad for the sport. Uh, they just bring, uh, uh, you know, we, the, the sucker punch uh, from the from the trainer. I mean, you know, we've heard uh, stories. Uh, uh, they just, they're, they're a problem. The whole camp is a problem. You know, they cause issues at fights. They cause issues at weigh-ins, uh, at commission meetings. Uh, I, I really wish we never had to watch a durell brother inside the ring again um with that said uh it's a typical pbc move uh and uh it will be televised uh on a uh, pbc event on november 17th in case anybody uh, wants to watch that and uh, one other thing i wanted to mention real quick uh was that uh seki obika uh, the Scorpion, if you will. 33 wins, 7 losses, and 3 draws with 22 knockouts. Former Super Middleweight Champion uh, will return to the ring. He's going to be fighting in Australia on October 22nd uh, against a journeyman fighter, Jihad uh, uh, Adjatovic, um, for uh, a vacant international WBC belt. When, when the hell was the last time Sekeo Biko fought? Like, you know, in the 90s? I mean, come on. Uh, is, you, know, you know what bothers me about these guys?
2: Yeah, and it's not they take a lot of time off. They well, rest. it's
1: not it's not the fighter because <laughs> no. you know the fighter a fighter retires or stops fighting, and they wait for a financial opportunity that they can't pass up. The reason the the problem I have, and I certainly don't blame the fighters. Just like I'm not blaming Deontay, I'm dis, I'm disappointed in Deontay Wilder because he acts like he's a badass and he doesn't have the resume to prove it. But I don't blame it on him. It's the people handling them. And what I blame the Sekiobika return, people know the name, Sal. So the promoter who should get more blame for not promoting anymore recycles these names that they know and they hope to sell tickets rather than cultivate and build up a new fighter, a young fighter. Uh, you know, And this is where the sport gets hurt in the long run. If promoters were doing their job in promoting young fighters and, and creating new names, we would have a better, more competitive sport. But instead, they're lazy. They just want to make their cut. So what do they do? Rather than spend the money and do, the, like you refer to, grassroots promotion, uh, they, re, they grab a guy that most people have heard of and throw him on a card against the journeyman that he should beat and then lo and behold, after he wins, he gets an immediate fast track to a world title. So it's it's a vicious cycle, and it's hurting the sport long term.
2: Yes, it is, and I agree. And it, like I said, it's the old grassroots promoters. Like, I'll tell you, Lou Duva was a genius. The way he used to promote all the, the world champions and uh, all of us out of Ice World of Totoa. And, you know, we took it from Ice World. We went down to Lake City, went to Vegas, went all over And the same thing, you know, you need a grassroots. Lou, Lou would, we would sell tickets. uh, We would have this. I mean, it was amazing. And we would sell out that whole ice world was, 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 you couldn't sit down. You had thousands of people, thousands of fans, relatives, everywhere coming out to see the local fighters. And uh, some of them that rose to the level of uh, world-class competition became world champions. Now, I think that uh, what you said earlier promoters getting back to the grassroots or would like to try and cultivate that young talent hey if they want to attach, latch on to a known name where they're going to sell some seats and tickets by a known guy a commodity then they should start showcasing and pairing those rising stars with that same champ that they were, or same contender they want to they want to ride on the coattails and and that's the only way they're going to showcase these young developing fighters that can uh, be a, a main event fighter one day, is if they have them exposed on a, on a national level uh, as on the undercard of, of these big names. And that's it. They should get the same names that they're cultivating, and that's it.
1: Well, you know, the point is is that a promoter should take a, a young fighter and, and build them up and, and develop a fan base, et cetera, et cetera, And then, you know, you you end up with fighters that have a following and fighters that have, you know, progressively improved. A a real fighter, if you will. A real fighter, if you will. Now, I'm not suggesting Saquio Obika is not a real fighter because he's a tough guy. He's a very hard fighter to watch, a very rough and tumble style. Uh, But people have heard of him. And they can bill him as a former world champion. So people that haven't heard of him say, oh, he must be good. He's a former world champion. So it's just... A lot of the blame has to be put on the shoulders of the promoters themselves and the television networks for approving these fights and, of course, the management of the fighters. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, more power to Sekio Bika, uh for, uh, um, you know, getting another opportunity. I, I just think that uh, it's a shame that we're uh, forced to see the retreads uh, over and over and over. We are. Well, we got... Uh, couple of emails here i wanted to uh, get to uh the first one i wanted to uh read real quick was the one i didn't get to yesterday from my man mitch he says i just want to expound on something about triple g and uh canelo he says the wbc clean testing program is done by vada however it doesn't guarantee that you'll be tested it does uh put fighters in a random pool or lottery if you will for vada testing so it's different than simple random VADA testing. It just allows VADA to select you from the pool or lottery uh, if they choose to do so. That's what uh, Triple G and Canelo participated in. So to say they both didn't cheat or both were clean isn't necessarily true. It depends on if their names came up in the pool. Usually the top 15 ranked guys are the names in the pool. The reason I say this is because the WBC says both fighters successfully completed the program for a given fight. Successfully completed and actually being tested are two different things. While it's a start, I hope one day we'll have year-round or at least testing from the day the fight is announced uh, or 12 weeks before a fight takes place, whichever is longer. The key to catch those who cycle and mess their uh, time clock up. At press conferences, I wish these so-called journalists, journalists who who are scared that they'll lose their credentials would ask the fighters how many times they were actually tested. Um, There's a great uh, email from my name, Mitch, uh, who brings Good to job, light uh, the procedure of that. And, um, you know, it it, it it they did announce that uh, both uh, Canelo and Triple G uh, completed their process, and that was the exact choice of words that they used so uh, my man Mitch could be on to something. The WBC also wanted to announce... See, this is where the WBC really looks foolish at times. Um, they were the ones that said, hey, by the way, we've ordered the Triple G-Canelo rematch. Uh, we already knew that was going to happen. Both fighters said they wanted it. They were even picked the Cinco de Mayo date uh, of... Uh, uh you know uh, in may to, to to have it you know triple g accepted it uh, canelo accepted it the contract was already basically written uh, the first time they had the rematch thing so the wbc whether they cared about the uh, whether the two fighters cared whether wbc ordered it or not it didn't matter you know they were going to fight each other here's a case where the fighters don't need the belts and the belts need the fighters you know, and this is very uh, obvious when the WBC puts it like that. Oh, we're ordering the fight. If they didn't and they said, well, you know, we're not ordering a fight. We're taking our champion who's Triple G. We're going to make him fight Joe Schmo and Triple G could say, hey, screw you. I'm fighting Canelo for another multi million dollar purse. Here's your belt back. You know, so the sanctioning body doesn't want to do that because they gain by having big names as their champions. I mean, it's it's pretty cut and dry, Sal.
2: It is cut and dry. And, and you know, that's. Well, I said, boxing is a business. At first, it's a business, and you know, we 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 have the rankings for a reason. We have the world champions for a reason, and fighters are the commodities that the promoters, the the uh, managers, the trainers usually want to want to ride and uh, stay on the same horse if they keep winning and keep uh, keep them up there with the money, where the money is.
1: Hey, you know, I, the other day I was in the bar, and a horse came in. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, he didn't say that. I, I just looked at him and I said, hey, wide, a long face? You know. And, <laughs> hey, listen, we're going to take a short break when we yeah, – geez, Wilbur. Um, we're going to take a short break when we come back. I got to get a couple more emails. Uh, so, uh, you know, don't
0: go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, there. That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's billycboxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And we're back.
1: You're listening to The Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us in, uh, I'm here with uh, my man uh, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, you must be
2: stuffed. I see oh, you eating I like a pig I, over I, I there. Did I did mean, jeez,
1: You feel good, huh?
2: Great, great re- breakfast. Re- I'll re- tell re- you. I was baking re- and cooking. And man, I'll tell, re- tell you, it's ready
1: great. To, ready, you're ready <laughs> to take a nap after this show? After you. It's like Thanksgiving
2: over there. You know, I mean,
1: come on, man. You know, I'm but uh, go and
2: work for twelve hours. Hey, oh, oh yeah, like I, like like no, 14, I don't give 14. me a break. We're gonna be, we'll be there till twelve o'clock tonight.
1: G- give me, give me a break. I wake up at four o'clock. I write this show. I, I, you know, <laughs> no, it, I know it's never know. hey,
2: it's 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 what we do. It's no, no yeah, but make, but, for, uh, yeah, but you violence. make, yeah, but you make money. It. I at,
1: love it. I at, do what I love. At least you make money at the restaurant. You know, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still, uh, you know, I'm happy if I can, you know, roll a roll of pennies. You know, but. uh, Anyway, another email. This is from my man, uh, Jesse. He says, hey, Billy C and Sal. I agree with Larry. Wilder and Mike are not boxers, uh, but they have punch. And Mike had, he's talking about Mike Tyson. Mike had better combinations and body movement to make his power and combinations deceptive. Now that Wilder will fight Stiverne, he won't prove anything again in this fight. Um, No doubt about that. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to hurt Wilder. Um, you know, I I say this all the time. It's not giving Deontay a, a chance to get better. Uh, you know, you can't just you don't get better just hitting a heavy bag. You don't. You know, you need to you need to fight uh, different style fighters. You know, uh, Stavern is going to bring him anything he hasn't seen before. As a matter of fact, he's going to go after Bermain, Bermain Stavern a lot quicker than he did in the first fight. The first fight he was he was you know, very content outboxing him. Now he's going to try to show that uh, Stiverne doesn't belong in the same ring with uh, Deontay Wilder, and quite honestly, he doesn't. So uh, uh, I agree with that. He says, uh, even though Jarrell Miller, yeah, and this is another guy. This is another guy that, you know, his biggest fight to date so far is is against Washington. And, uh, uh, you know, Jarrell Miller is a big mouth, roly-poly, fat, heavyweight, that wouldn't stand a chance with any real fighter. I mean, they're just positioning him to be another sacrificial lamb for uh, Deontay. But anyway, he says uh, even though Jarrell Miller uh, can't box, he knows his fighters, though. Maybe he would be better off uh, on TV. An interview he does say says that Wilder's overrated and he's been coddled and analyzes other boxers pretty well, uh, but he can't. Uh, carry that over in a fight He has his own flaws that he hasn't fixed yet Who the hell is he To be critical of uh, Deontay Wilder and other fighters When he hasn't fought anybody of note himself You know uh, this is a guy Just trying to use his mouth To get a fight and David Hay Was successful you see they all You know what bothers me Sal Muhammad Ali was one of the First guy, and he wasn't the first one to talk Smack but he was one of the first guys to use the media uh, really to his advantage by talking a lot of smack and doing some outrageous things along those lines. But the big difference between Ali and his smack talk and definitely David Hay. David Hay was, was a fraud. I mean, I, he was just a joke. And Jarrell Miller, these guys that, that, that talk smack... They're not backing up what they're saying. Muhammad Ali did. Muhammad Ali would talk smack and then, sure enough, he would, would do what he said he was going to do. These guys, you know, when David Hayes said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Oh, wait till I get in the ring with Klitschko. Oh, I'm going to do this. And all he does is run like a scared little bitch. Then he has the balls to put his little hurt toe, his little hurt pinky toe up on the podium to try to get people to believe what he's crying about. I mean, that's a joke. It, it kind of ruins it. And I can't believe that fans actually fall for that shit today. I, I really, I, I can't believe it that they still fall for that hype. I, I just can't believe that somebody would watch a press conference or, or you know see these guys talking smack and go, you know what, I wasn't going to buy a ticket, but now I am. What's your thoughts?
2: Well, that's what happens. I mean, fans are loyal, loyal to their fighters. They, they really are. And they'll, they'll make excuses for them. They'll, uh, they'll follow them they'll buy them they'll, they'll they'll spend money for them and and that's that's part of the the commitment fans have with the with their personal favorites and um, do fighters take advantage of it sometimes maybe they push the envelope here and there but you know fighters have become showmen in a sense too today they've used like like we've seen with the MMA we've used what they what they've seen in uh, WWF wrestling and um, you know they they see that hey we got to be controversial we got to do this and sometimes you know it works sometimes you know that's that's just it where the promoters have not been the ones to promote and and uh, and um, showcase and, and do things properly like they used to do for fighters uh, uh, getting known and, and throughout the world and get the notoriety get the fame get, get everything else about them get the support around them fighters have tried to do that for themselves too and. Uh, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's a different era of boxing. That's all. Good, bad, or indifferent, it's different. Good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah, that's it. I,
1: wasn't that my movie? Oh, no, no. My movie was Good, Bad, and the Ugly. I'm sorry. Easy. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, Jesse goes on to say, uh, Hey, Billy, since you don't like Jim and Max and Roy Jones Jr., who out there do you think should be on HBO or on the boxing TV events? Do you ever watch Juan Manuel Marquez on ESPN Deportes? um he analyzes boxers and and fights uh good i would like to see him on hbo but his english isn't there tv like hbo doesn't analyze fighters and fights well they just show the big punches in slow-mo that persuades the viewers in the right way um i like uh uh juan manuel marquez uh, It it's uh it's not uh, is it it's not juan manuel marquez it's um uh, who, who it's 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 the other Marquez a- anyway um, uh, I like Marquez he does a, a, a really good job I, I mean there's there are some good listen Al Bernstein is, is the best I think uh, Guy out there you know um, BJ Flores as much as I can stand him as a fighter uh, I, I think he's a really good commentator I, I also think that um, you know, believe it or not, uh, Barry Tompkins and Steve Farhood uh, from Showtime, they, they get the lesser uh, shows uh, on Showtime, the, like the uh, Showbox and stuff. I, I like those guys. You know, the, the thing, I, I, listen, the guys I can't stand, the guys that I just can't stomach anymore, definitely Mario Ranallo is, is in my opinion, the worst commentator the, the sport has, has ever seen. And he must be sucking somebody's you-know-what to be still on uh, uh, the network because he's terrible. Um, Paulie Malignaggi is good. Uh, it's good. But, but the way he delivers, it just gets very annoying. It's it's like uh, listening to Fran Drescher, and nanny, you know, uh, and, you know, <laughs> halfway a through. Point I got You know what? you got a point there. <laughs> I know. But I, I just... like Pauline La- No, pa- pa- Nazi, But pa- pa- you're right. You're, you're right. You're...
2: There's something about that <laughs> <laughs> delivery.
1: I know. You know what's funny? Some of these guys that are really <laughs> It's like good... grading. Yeah, it's like fingers, uh, nails like on like a chalkboard. chalkboard. But, uh, you know, it's like some of these guys that are really good commentators you know, a la Pauli B.J. Flores. You know, when they start referring to their own careers, that's what bothers me because, I mean, yes, Pauli was successful, but it wasn't all that. Roy Jones Jr. obviously was successful in his younger days as a, as a fighter, but it is so sickening to listen to him refer to himself in the third person all the time, not just sometimes, all the time. As far as Jim Lampley is concerned, he used to be a really good commentator for boxing. I feel he's lost his ability to call a fight without punch stats, which is subjective. So I mean, you know, Max Kellerman, I I don't know what to think of him. You know, sometimes I just think he's a corporate guy and he does whatever the teleprompter is telling him to say. Uh, so I, I don't know, man. I think we're we we need some new blood, man. We need uh, we need me and Sal. and Sal. We we need we need us. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean. That's what we need, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's a tough one, you know. But uh, I definitely uh, uh, I do like Marquez. He's uh, uh, he's good. There's no uh, no good. And it's Raul, isn't it? Raul Marquez. It's Raul Marquez, not Juan Manuel. But uh, anyway, thanks for the email, uh, Jesse. Um, This last one's from my man uh, Willie, uh, who's uh, actually in the chat room right now. And by the way, if you're watching or listening. Uh, no matter where you are, if you want us to uh, uh, refer to your uh, comments, uh, you got to come on over to the uh, uh, BillyCBoxing.com chat room. Uh, that's where uh, uh, we uh, we you know include your thoughts and questions and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, Willie says, uh, uh, "Hey, uh, hey Billy, look here," uh, and he sent me a link to uh, Tyson Fury uh, going to the Celebrity Jungle. Uh, after he says he won't renew his boxing license I had heard that he was getting a hard time Renewing his license But uh, anyway, Willie says uh, What a fool of a man Tyson Fury's turned out to be I'm not going to be bother wondering And hoping uh, that he's going to come back anymore This is how far uh, th- that's, how, that, that's it now as far as I'm concerned What a waste Look at the fat on him uh, In the picture, in the videos He's got this huge tire of fat around him Uh, Even his back is fat How the hell hasn't he had a heart attack already Is a wonder I'm sure he's heading for one Uh, He's never coming back I'm a a celebrity indeed More like a complete idiot Uh, He says uh, he'll run out of money one day soon And then he'll be the king of nothing He's let everybody down Not just himself He gave the gypsy community something to be proud of And now he's taken that away Surely they won't regard him as a king of the gypsies much longer Um you know, I can feel uh, Willie's pain. I, I was a big Tyson Fury fan, I got to admit. Um, we had a guy that uh, was involved with this show who turned me on to Tyson Fury years and years ago. I actually have seen every fight Tyson Fury has been in since his third professional fight. And, um, I, I, you know, I watched him rise up and... Um, I, I thought that he had some potential. Once he developed, once he learned how to throw a jab correctly, because he, he had a tendency to throw his jab from from below his waist and kind of up uh, until he learned how to throw his jab the, the right way. Um, I, you know, he had potential, plus he was big. I always thought that he didn't pack the punch that a guy his size should have. Um, but you know what? I, it is what it is, you know. he He got rich and fat. Uh, he's pissing his money away. Uh, but I'm sure they're paying him to be on this celeb jungle. And, and the thing is, is, you know, people like him and David Hay uh, and, and, you know, anyone else that stays in the limelight and people still give them the time of day, well, they're successful. You know, they're still making some money somehow. Tyson Fury has acted like he's not all there anymore uh, mentally. So, you know, the BBBC is reluctant of uh, giving him his license back. So now he's making it sound like it's him that doesn't want his license back. So I don't know, man. What do you think, Sal?
2: I – you know, when when Tyson Fury left the reservation, if you will, and uh, displayed uh, a lifestyle and comments and uh, actions that were less than stellar of somebody that was a former world heavyweight champion uh, – I uh, I really like I said once you're on my do not tamper with list you know it, it I, I I'm no longer a fan and uh, I I think he is probably better off staying retired and doing what he can do in the boxing world to still make a living uh, I can't credit, discredit him for that and trying to do that but you know when you when you are a disciplined fighter and you know what it takes to to be uh, the best, and to go out there and then you let it all go and you let your fans down, you let your whole base down, and then you still want to cry you're the best and you could come back and do that. Well, let your actions speak for yourself and for your words and, and do it. Either do it or don't. And if you're not going to, then, you know, hey, don't say anything about it. Just do it. And uh, I think he's better off out of the game.
1: Well, you know what? He, there's one thing that he'll always have, and that's that he walked away undefeated. Yeah, as a champion, you He know, did. and that's that's hard to do in the sport of boxing. Um, you know, oh, it, it's it's time. it's hard to walk away and stay away. You know, I go through this with my man Dax all the time. You know, when when Dax and I first met, um, it was actually at uh, a fight uh, that uh, I cheered like a like a schoolgirl at. You know when you're not supposed to in press row, but uh, Dax and I met and we started talking and and Dax lays on me that he feels Lennox Lewis is a uh, top ten all time great heavyweight. I you know I, we almost went to blows that day, and you know I, he always kids me about that to this day, and I bust his chops about it as well. As a matter of fact, I actually sent him uh, uh, a uh, a poster of uh, Tyson. Uh, uh, Lennox Lewis, which uh, he sometimes you can see in the background of uh, uh, of his set. But um, the truth of the matter is, is over time, I have not fully agreed. So before Dax gets all uh, happy and throws a party, I don't fully agree with Dax. But my respect level has risen significantly for Lennox Lewis, and the reason why is because he, too, retired. I mean, he wasn't unbeaten, but he, too, retired as a champion on his terms. And every fight that he did lose, he had, you know, uh, came back and won the rematch. So he avenged every loss. And he stayed away. And the other thing about Lennox Lewis that I I respect is that the guy knows his game. And as a matter of fact, he's a good commentator to have on on, uh, ringside, too, by the way. Um, He knows the game. He's respected in, in the world of boxing, and he didn't piss his money away. So, you know, when, when, I've always said you, it, you, when a fighter ends his career, when he walks away from, from the sport for good, it does take you five years, just the way the Hall of Fame makes a fighter wait. it does take you five years to digest their career and put it in perspective to see where they really sit you know, uh, from an all-time uh, perspective. And I feel Lennox Lewis is up there. You know, Lennox Lewis uh, has done all the right things since he retired. And when I go back and, and look at it with a more open mind than I used to, he's done a lot of uh, significant things in the ring too. So he's another good example. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that Tyson Fury had the success that Lennox Lewis had because he didn't. Uh, but the one thing that he'll always have is that he walked away as a champion undefeated on his terms, whether they were, you know, same terms or not, who knows. But uh, uh,
2: it's, uh, it, it's something that I think is valuable, Sal. I think it's very valuable. And, you know, Bill, you and I have shared, we, we kind of like and dislike a lot of the same fighters for, for different reasons. And, you know, I, I will tell you this. When he was fighting, I wasn't really a big Lennox Lewis fan. I wasn't a big Larry Holmes fan. Even though I got a chance to, to meet Larry many times through Richie Giacchetti and go to the Commodore Hotel and train in his backyard and uh, fight on the cards with his younger brother, Mark Holmes. Uh, uh, but when they retired, I really learned how to appreciate where they were coming from and how what good they actually were. And that's how I feel about Larry Holmes. I think he, he, uh, I think I had a hard time with Larry because he was always crying that he was in the shadow of Muhammad Ali. And, you know, again, that's something that people would recognize. You don't have to say it every time you're going to step in a ring. But Larry Holmes is a great fighter, a great fighter. He's gotten up off the canvas. He's fought the top opposition. Larry Holmes is a champion, and I I, I could appreciate him for everything he's done uh, in the world of boxing. And the same thing with Lennox Lewis, for a lot of reasons you just stated too. Uh, When he was active, I didn't have as much appreciation or or even – desire to follow him as much but i'll tell you what as he's been uh, out of the game now and you see what all the accomplishments and what he did in the ring i have a lot of respect for him and i am a fan of his as well
1: yeah i mean
2: you got to give him credit now absolutely
1: dax, now dax is in the chat room telling all these stories you know uh, <laughs> you know i mean you know, let it out but uh <laughs> but anyway it's uh it's it is true but uh uh, yeah, I think that Lennox Lewis. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, listen. All kidding aside, Lennox Lewis. If if you want to give him credit for anything, and if, or if you don't want to give him credit for anything, there's one thing I think everyone that's a boxing fan has to agree. Lennox Lewis changed the complexion of the heavyweight division today. Lennox Lewis was really the first 245 plus. Six-foot-five-plus heavyweight that was chiseled, that had, yes. you know, hand speed, punching power, athleticism. He he had all of that. And he changed the complexion of the heavyweight division. Had we seen big guys in the past? Yeah, we have. We had. But not to the degree Lennox Lewis brought. And since yeah. Lennox Lewis, we've seen several others. And now we look at the heavyweight division as complete monsters. When you see a guy that's six foot four and he weighs 230, 240 pounds, and you say, oh, God. He's little for a heavyweight, you know. I mean, I mean, listen, Sal. That says it all. I mean, when 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 I'm looking at Chris Areola, uh stepping in the ring and he's only six foot four, uh, you know, you say to yourself, "Holy shit, what's happened to the heavyweight division?" Considering 30 years ago, Muhammad, listen, Muhammad Ali was considered was a big was a leader, monster, six, yeah, three, but two twenty. But that's what I'm saying. You know, he was considered a monster. Jack Jack Johnson. In the early 1900s, was considered a monster of heavyweights, yes. and he was six foot six. He, he was under six foot I, one. I
2: thought Jack and, Johnson, the way they talk about him, was seven feet
1: tall. I, I know, I know, you know. So I mean, and he was six foot. And Mike Tyson never weighed more than uh, you Willard know. In his prime, big. his prime weight was 212 pounds. Uh, you know, yeah, Jess Willard was big. How P- big was uh, Jess Willard? I think he was six seven. Six six, big. you know. Uh, Primo Jack Carnera. Ben. Primo Carnero was a big guy over six six, you know. But but these guys didn't have the athleticism that Lennox Lewis no. had. You know, yeah. I mean, look at the heavyweights. Jack Dempsey, one of my favorites. You know, never weighed more than one hundred and eighty five pounds. Rocky Marciano never more than one hundred and eighty eight. <laughs> five pounds. foot ten. Rocky you know, Marciano. Sam was one hundred
2: eighty five, one hundred ninety.
1: Sam Langford started out as a lightweight. Was regarded as one of the best heavyweights of all time. Was uh, looked like a, a a beer barrel in there. That was his physique, and was knocking guys out. You know, uh, like you said, Muhammad Ali was what six foot two, six, six foot three. three, yeah, six foot three, two hundred twenty pounds
2: when he was in his prime. Yeah, you know, and and right. he was considered a monster.
1: My man Sonny yep. Liston, one of my favorite fighters of all time, six foot one. Uh, Are you
2: kidding me, Sonny Liston? I thought it was about 6'6", six, 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 five. I, 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 six I one. mean, that's what I'm saying. These guys growing, growing up, and hearing the legendary stories and how big they were. Like I said, Jack Johnson. I can't believe you told me. And and, and Sonny Liston. I thought he was like a monster. I
1: know, I know. Well, Jack, the way they talk about Jack Johnson is, uh, you know, when you when you read stuff on Jack Johnson. I mean, like you said, you know, you you get this you get this picture in your impression. head that he he was larger than life. Large. But you know, the large. thing about Jack Johnson is Jack Johnson was such a great fighter, and you know, unfortunately for today's youths, um, they judge Jack Johnson. You see, today's youth only wants to give credit where they can watch a fight on film. They don't buy into the um, you know the writers and and all of the stuff that was said. You know, you got a, a thousand ringside reports all saying how great he was, and they don't believe it because they can't watch the video. And so, so you have these old-time fighters that are not getting the respect they deserve because they came and fought during an era before technology uh, could could chrono, or whatever uh, record. Uh, not chronological but cro- <laughs> recro- record it's- porky pig uh I went to porky pigs English a-bitty, class. A-bitty, 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 a-bitty. yeah you know but uh um you know before technology could record the history and when you do watch this the um you know limited footage of 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 Jack Johnson out there you don't get really the feel of how good he was because remember these were one camera shots no lighting the guy was cranking the damn thing to to get the film speed you don't see his hand speed he was a defensive fighter uh you know he didn't engage as much as 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 fighters of his era did but they couldn't hit him and he was extremely powerful you know jack johnson definitely sal one of the greatest heavyweights of all time and on my all-time great heavyweight list he's He's number one. I mean, you know, I, you know, it's. I don't even have my list here, but I'm sure he's number one or number two. I mean, Joe Lewis, uh, Ali, him. You know, I mean, uh, Rocky Marciano. I mean, those guys are all tops, all time. Well, you got
2: definitely a top five that you could probably easily mention. And you know, I, I, it's a shame because what you said is so true. I only saw one little cranker of an eight millimeter film of Jack Johnson and. I didn't see anything really special that he did in that little cranked 8-millimeter film reel that I saw. It, I, it didn't give me the impression that, wow, this guy was the world-beater he was. But he was, and uh, I'm sure it had a lot to do with the, the particular fight I had the opportunity to see, as well as the lack of uh, quality with the film.
1: Yeah, well, my, my point is, is that prior, realistically— Prior to, like, the late 70s, he, he, you could even say 1980, the footage, even even great fighters like Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, f- there is no f- known footage of Sugar Ray Robinson as a welterweight. And many, uh, all the writers of the time said he was the, the best they have ever seen. Um, and, and Jack Johnson, you know, yeah, in cases where these guys came prior to the film technology advancements that, that, you know, today we see high definition. I mean, you sit in front of a, a big screen TV and you feel like you're in the third row, you know, I mean, um, and, and you can watch that on YouTube for God's sakes, you know. But but I you have to have an open mind and try to read as many ringside accounts of these all time greats as you can and then make a judgment. Don't try to go by just watching footage. I mean, you know what puts it in perspective, Sal? When I wrote my book about Tom Mullineau, who was a freed slave, he was born a slave, you know, uh, got screwed because of the color of his skin, fought in the first world title in 1810, and I have a listener one day when I'm, I was talking about the book before it was released, and he says, oh, I want to know more about Tom Mullineau Can you send me any YouTube clips of them? YouTube clips, you know. I I mean, you know. As a matter of fact, I put them in the acknowledgments. You know, this is the mindset of the youths, the youths, as uh, as was said in the film. But uh, you know, the funny thing is, uh, you know, YouTube. I mean, they can't even understand that the cameras weren't even invented yet. You know what I mean? Or they weren't being used on a regular basis. You had to stand still for th- two minutes and had a little explosion for light, you know, and the whole nine. I mean, you know, and they he was them on the cave wall. Yeah, well, that, like that, that, was when, that was when you were a kid. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. Anyway. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we got a couple other things to talk about. I uh, got uh Uh, Well, you're just going to have to wait uh, until uh, we come back because uh, we'll be back in two. Billy C
0: will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com.
1: And uh, we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, don't forget, don't forget, October 21st, I'm going to be at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino. Uh, for the uh, HBO Boxing event. So make sure you get some tickets today or visit the turningstone.com, uh, Turning Stone Casino's box office. Get yourself some tickets to Man C Discount. I'm here with uh, my man Sal Rocky Senecola. And just final thoughts on the uh, uh, issue with the WBC, Sal. Um, you know, I, I think that the WBC, in ruling that the uh, Luis Ortiz fight will not happen is not good for Deontay Wilder. Um, You know, I I believe Deontay Wilder needed to to fight and beat Luis Ortiz not only to show that he's the real deal, uh, but also to uh, uh, strengthen his bargaining power uh, over an eventual showdown with uh, Anthony Joshua. I think that, uh, you know, it seems pretty pretty obvious to me that there was some uh, underhanded... Uh, activities suspicious activities uh, that went on uh, for the WBC to, to, to pick Berman stavern this is not going to be a challenge for Deontay Wilder Stavern is eight years older at 39 years old five inches shorter and he's got a foot shorter arm reach plus the old man hasn't fought in two years uh, this is not going to be a challenge and he's known to not even you know work hard uh, in, in training so this is not going to be a uh a good fight uh for Deontay Wilder and unless he blows out Staverne in one round uh he's going to be criticized what do you think
2: I think uh, you're right too and uh you know it's uh it is what it is it's the it's the game of boxing just ask uh, Adeline Bird no I'm teasing um And uh, sometimes we see things that we don't understand or we don't want to understand because it doesn't make sense. And this is one of those occasions. And we're going to have to sit back, uh, ride it out, and see what happens. Like I said, maybe this is his last uh, uh, swan song to dance to uh, before he does step in a ring and uh, we can see what he could do against uh, Anthony Joshua. That would be a great opportunity for them. So, uh, like I said, you know, and that would be probably in the first quarter or or, or by June of next year. So if they could do that, uh, and this is going to be one of those fights that's going to validate that, you know, like putting the cart ahead of the horse, then, you know, we're going to have to sit back and just go through the motion and see what happens here. Yeah, well, it seems to
1: me that Team Wilder, at least everyone but Deontay, uh, is looking to cash out. They're going to make a few bucks with Stavern, then demand uh, big money for AJ, and then keep their fingers crossed, I guess. But,
2: uh, well, yeah, you know, and I, I think I think they would also not have a, that difficult of a time relinquishing some of the so-called demands if they get a good payday with, with uh, the Anthony Joshua fight. Number one, both these guys... Seldom have fought outside their backyard, whether whether you call it Brooklyn or whether you call it uh, London, but uh, or England. But uh, you know, I think that uh, you know Las Vegas would be a great opportunity to bring Anthony Joshua here. And, I forget uh, Las Vegas.
1: Every time we see fights in Las Vegas, we get the we get the sacrificial, paid off judges, the tree blind. I forget, forget wait, wait, Vegas.
2: Wait. I got a new say. Oh, wow. Las Vegas is for the birds.
1: <laughs> Adelie yeah. and Robert. Yeah, that's, Adelie, yeah, that's it Well, in I don't Las want to Vegas say no. no hey, birds. listen in lieu of the tragedy that took place in Vegas i don't want anybody to to, to you know get it mixed
2: up uh, no, you know, no. obviously
1: we're just referring to the
2: it's uh, a, it's a, wait wait bill did i make a foul comment <laughs> we just we just want everyone to know that
1: that uh you know our prayers our thoughts and condolences go out to all of the victims of the uh Vegas shootings but yeah uh, as no, far as yeah, the lot that, Vegas, Bay- for as, sure. As far I, as, the no- you know, I didn't mean that. I meant, no, no, that no I know, I know, decisions. I know. But, but Not as far the as the Nevada state athletic commission and that gutless spineless piece of garbage, uh, known as well, Bob Bennett, we, we, we can't stand you. But anyway, no, but- Hey, don't forget starting next week, we're going to be doing the, uh, uh, trivia questions again. So start brushing up on your boxing knowledge. Uh, I have uh, a bunch of uh, title belt championship computer games that I want to give away. So, uh, uh, but first, got to get the questions right. But anyway, on this day, October 5th, first and foremost, I'd like to wish my sister a happy birthday today. It's, a, it's her birthday uh, today, and uh, I want to uh, wish uh, Nancy a happy birthday. But anyway, on this day, October 5th, in uh, 1985, Hilaro Zapata wins a 15-round decision over Alonzo Gonzalez uh, to win the vacant WBA flyway title that took place in Panama City. On this day in uh, 1952, one of my favorite fighters, and I, and I have a pair of his trunks right here. I got uh, Joe Frazier and Kid Gavilan. And on this day in 1952, Kid Gavilan wins a 15-round decision over Billy Graham to retain his world welterweight title. took place in Cuba. On this day in 1974, one of the greatest middleweights of all time, Carlos Monzon, knocks out Tony Mundane in the seventh round uh, to retain his world uh, heavyweight title, uh, middleweight title, and that took place in Argentina. On this day in 1991, Purnell Sweet P. Whittaker wins a 12-round decision over Jorge Paez to retain his WBC, WBA, and IBF World Lightweight titles that took place in Reno. It's safe to say that uh, Sweet Pea had all the belts. Uh, on this day in 1936, Jimmy McLarnon, beats uh, uh, Tony Canzanari uh, to a pulp, beats him to a pulp in route to a 10-round decision uh, in their welterweight fight that took place at Madison Square Garden in New York City. McLarnon improves to 54 wins, 11 losses, and 3 draws. Why Tony Canzanari drops to 118 wins, 18 losses, and uh, 8 draws. Oh, yeah. McLarnon would fight once more a 10-round decision win over another one of my favorite fighters and incidentally rocky marciano's idol uh lou ambers on uh, november 20th in 1936 uh ambers uh, dropped his uh, record at that fight to 60 wins four losses and five draws and uh, mclarnon closed out his hall of fame career 55 wins 11 losses and three draws that's what took place on this day in 1936 hey man That concludes our show for today. Uh, Make sure you tune in tomorrow uh, because uh, we're going to have a a busy show scheduled uh, for you to close out the week. So make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby.